Hello and welcome to the International Schools Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and on the podcast, we discuss all aspects of technology and life in international schools, with new episodes live every two weeks. We focus on people who are currently working in schools, and we talk about life in their current country and dive into some specific topics. The podcast is brought to you by Acer for Education. People always ask what Chromebooks we recommend and what Windows laptops we recommend, and after trying literally all of them, we always recommend Acer. If you'd like to get more info and try out some devices, please just go to gg.gg forward slash Acer Education. That's gg.gg forward slash Acer Education, and we'll get right back to you. Also, the podcast is brought to you by Apps Events. We're a Google partner. We work all around the world. We've just got one piece of new information right now. This is in, in January 2021. We're a G Suite Enterprise for Education partner. That's Giuseppe. This is a bunch of premium tools available to people using Google at their schools. We can help you get set up with a free one-month trial. So please check out the link in the show notes, and we'll do that right away. And now, on to the interview. One, two, three, we're on. Good morning and welcome to the International Schools Podcast uh, with Dan Taylor and myself, John Micton. And we're excited to have Peter Nicholson as our guest. Peter is part of an organization called Baobab Books, and they've been doing some amazing work in trying to leverage the capacity of young kids and adolescents to be able to publish creative writing, short stories, picture books, and he's created an ecosystem to support schools in this uh, activity and project, and we're going to spend some time with him. Peter, good morning. How are you today? Uh, I think Peter's, uh, Peter's frozen. While we're waiting, John, do you want to talk a bit about what, what Peter's done with uh, I've had a, I, I've, I'm familiar with ba- Baobab Books, and it seems like a really interesting project. Yeah, so basically it's an ecosystem where teachers can have their kids publish within the uh, within their uh, website. And so kids basically have different tools. So they have character building tools, plot line tools, and it's very much WYSIWYG. So it's drag and drop. They can bring in images that they create themselves or they have, of course, uh, images that are uh, Creative Commons images that the kids can put in and then they they can write their story it could be a chapter book it could be short stories or picture books and then when they're completed they can actually publish this so they could publish it to their class to their teacher and while they're working they get to also they get to uh, have collaborators yeah. So it's just a really nice interface. And I've had been spending some time with Peter and some of our teachers exploring this. So I'm really excited to have him here. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, John. And good morning, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here to, uh, this morning with you. So we were just kind of setting the scene about Baobab Books. I was telling our audience about how it's an ecosystem that really engages young authors to have the capacity to create stories in a website that you've created. It's very interactive, collaborative. But I don't want to go too much into details. I want to turn it over to you. And Peter, you're an entrepreneur. You've been involved in many different things. Why Baobab Books? Why suddenly something about writing and for kids? Well, it's, it's a fair question. You know, I'm, I'm not an educator, um, but I am a dad. And um, the, the genesis of Baobab Books actually is, is a beach in Santa Barbara, which may be a little odd, but um, I was there on vacation with my kids and sitting on the beach and watching the dolphins sort of dance along and playing in the waves. 
And I looked over to talk to my two daughters and they were both on their digital devices. And it, it, it almost, you know, it almost killed me because it was such a special moment, but they were just, you know, surfing on digital devices. And the whole topic really bothered me anyway, that all this non-productive time that kids were spending on digital devices. And um, I had learned already that it was difficult to get them away from those things. So I said, okay, I'm gonna change my tactic and I'm gonna create something that's engaging that results in some productive outcome. Uh, and since my kids like to read and write and draw, I said, okay, I'll, I'll make a platform online where kids could write, illustrate and publish their own books. And that really was the genesis of Bail Bob Books. Awesome. And I think something that's interesting that you're bringing up is this idea that we often assume that most adolescents and young kids are very savvy with digital tools. And we talk to them, we give them this label of digital natives. I really think I want to push back on that, that they're digital consumers. And what I'm hearing from what you're saying is that, hold on here, you're good at consumption, but you're not creating. You're not being creative. You're not building a product. Yeah. And is that kind of where you're coming from, Peter? It, it is. You know, I, I, I'm worried about kids today. Um, you know, I, I think creativity and boredom go hand in hand. You got to get bored before you start creating things sometimes. And right now, kids never have any downtime because the minute they've got any time on their hands, they're on their digital device surfing on TikTok or whatever their favorite app is. And there's no time to reflect or just be innovative and creative. And I, and I wanted to try and do something about that. I wanted to try and take their attentions and focus it on something where they would feel good about it rather than being criticized. Because, you know, let's be honest, we, get, we criticize our kids all the time for the amount of time they spend on their digital devices. So I wanted to change the dynamic. I wanted to do something positive and use technology as an empowering tool to support kids' creativity and give them something that's rich and rewarding and that they'd be appreciated for, and most of all, that they'd be proud of. And Peter, maybe tell us a bit about your own journey. How did you suddenly decide to do Bob Bob Books? Where were you coming from? Maybe just give us a context of your entrepreneurship and why this yeah. affirmation and this connection and this passion that I'm hearing about making sure kids are creative. Well, thank you for the question. I, you know, I'm, I'm actually a lifelong healthcare person. I, you know, studied biochemistry and immunology and then went to business school. And I, you know, I had a pretty successful career in, in healthcare. But, you know, as, as we, as we move on in life, I got a little reflective and I started thinking about things I wanted to try and do that somehow intersected with my life where I felt like I could change the dynamic and make a difference. And this was one of those things that I had sort of dreamed up while I was busy being a healthcare executive. And I decided to decelerate or uh, de-emphasize the healthcare work so I could find time to get more uh, creative about, uh, about actually bringing this initiative to life. And it's been a great journey so far. And Peter, tell us a bit about who are you? Where are you from? How did this all come about? Well, I'm, I'm a Californian. Um, so I've, I'm a lifelong Californian, but I, I moved 14 years ago. Uh, I first moved to Paris, uh, married a French woman, and then moved to Paris with our kids. And we go back to Santa Barbara on vacation, which is where Bob Books came from. Uh, and then uh, moved over to Switzerland nine years ago. So I've um, been over here for a while. And uh, yeah, I've got three kids and, you know, they're the ones that motivate me and inspire me to do better every day. Well, whereabouts in Switzerland do you, do you live, uh, Peter? I live in the French-speaking part, and I'm embarrassed to not be able to speak French better, but I live near a town called Vevey, which is actually where Nestle's headquartered, and it's no coincidence because I was 
working for a business that was owned by Nestle before I, I started doing these um, social impact things. I've actually and been there. And famous you know. for Charlie Chaplin. Uh, uh, that's where he settled down, and there's a big museum there. It, that's about uh, two kilometers from my house. I can I can walk there easily. Yeah, great. And I, I guess you know John's actually from from Switzerland originally. So uh, I, even I, though he sounds very American, I, I knew that about him, and I was jealous because you know I've been here nine years, but I'm still not a Swiss citizen. I think in another year I can apply. If not, and then we'll see if I'll have me or not. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us, Baobab Books, why the name Baobab? I mean, it, it's, it, you know, the Baobab tree in African culture has a lot of significance. It's about stories, longevity. Uh, it's a beautiful living uh, plant. Tell us a bit about the connection and how that came about. Well, thanks. Um, I, I, you know, like we all do, I was kind of searching to try and find the right name to call this platform. Um, and I was just struck by the baobab tree, which is one of the oldest living things on the planet. And it's got a rich lore around it. Um, but importantly, it was um, traditionally the place where people would gather at the end of the day and tell stories. And I thought that metaphor was really nice for what we're trying to do on the platform. So I coerced it um, and used it for the baobab book's name. And could you maybe step us through the process? So it's a website and it'll be in the show notes. So we encourage people to go and check it out. But so basically it's targeted to children in schools. So it's an education market that you're targeting. And so I'm a classroom teacher. I get to count what happens. Thanks. Um, well, I'll go, I'll go in two directions. Okay. So I came at it first of all, as a dad, and I just wanted to have a tool where kids would be inspired and motivated to write books and, and to illustrate them and then publish them. So I, I, I came at it from a, um, a high degree of user interaction and wanting to have the environment, something that a, that a student, a, a, child, a child, a teen or an early adult, young adult, would find engaging. So we, we built it that way. And I think when people look at it, like we were just certified by the Education Alliance of Finland, which is a, a very good uh, group that looks at these things and examines the pedagogy and, and, and the user usability. Anyhow, um, we've really focused on the user interface. So it's supposed to be, and it is, I think, uh, fun and easy to use for, the, for, for kids or students. Uh, on the teacher side, though, we wanted to put teachers in front of technology because so often the technology, it's moving so fast, it's outpacing teachers. And in this case, we've really designed it to be teacher friendly. So the teacher is in control. And this, is, this becomes a tool that the teacher can use to try and accomplish their classroom goals. And it supports hybrid learning, which is to say it supports both classroom-based and distance learning, which is obviously in our current sort of COVID era, it's a very useful tool for that kind of a learning environment. And you have been approaching different schools and different teachers, and I know that you we've had some conversations uh, with my school. Tell us a bit about some of the, the reactions and maybe pushbacks. What are some of the challenges you're facing and also some of the successes? Because those are there too. My favorite call of any day, other, other than this podcast, is, is when I get to demo the platform to a teacher. The closer you are to touching students, the more excited you get about the platform and what you can do with, that, do with it. Because we've kind of created a, bank, a blank slate for teachers to use and they can focus it in any different direction they want to, to support their goals. So I, I love the calls with teachers because they're, they're always asking the what ifs, or can we do this? Or boy, we should get so-and-so involved, or this would be great to do this. And 
et cetera, et cetera. So um, a lot of excitement around that. Uh, I love those calls. The challenge has been, um, you know, we're new. Uh, so we have to get on people's radar screens. And of course, it's difficult to do that during the time of, of the COVID pandemic when people are so fatigued. I can't imagine a more difficult time for teachers to try and do what they do than to keep going in a positive way and engaging kids, but still delivering the learning that kids need in a context of the, the, the world we live in today. So much admiration for teachers everywhere. Um, so the, I think the challenge that we face has just been the intersection of the current situation. Not, none despite, you know, despite all that, you know, we've had some great success and I'm really happy that you know, we just integrate, we just uh, um, delivered the platform uh, to the second largest school group in Pakistan. They have 32 different campuses and they're live now using Bailbao Books to create books. And it's just the, the richest, best experience. So much fun to get the notes back from parents or kids um, when they have the experience of writing a book. And as I understand, when the kids publish, you actually have an online shop. Maybe you can talk to us a bit about what that dynamic is. And that's quite a powerful uh, way to motivate kids. So they can publish to their teacher, to their colleagues, so classmates. And then there's the option to be much more public. Maybe you can talk about those phases. Thank you. We wanted to make it, you know, first thing is we wanted the environment safe. So it's GDPR and COPA compliant. And... You know, nobody can provide comments when somebody's working on their book other than the teacher or anybody who's collaborating together in the project. So there's no, but, but when, the, when the project's done, it can be published, as you say, and it's either published up into, it can be made available to classmates in the class they're in. It can be made available to a bookstore that we might create for the, for the school itself. Or in fact, it can be published up into our global community. And that's where things get really excited because imagine that there's a uh, child in Vevey who writes a book and a child in Beijing sees it read and, and wants to buy it and they buy the book. You know, it's one thing for, for a child to, to write their, a student to write a book and, and hold their own book in their hand. And you can do that with our, pro, our, our platform because we can publish them physically. But it's a whole different thing when, when, a, when somebody writes a book and somebody else buys it. Very motivating. So what, what we're really trying to do is empower kids to, to have the experience of creating something that's meaningful to them that other people appreciate and in fact that other people can discover and purchase and it's a global community because we're, we're the engagement is really very impressive so far peter i was and asking are I was you, are ask kids you. selling books oh sorry dan go ahead sorry oh, no, i was gonna say uh, obviously uh, are we do the kids is it is it just ebooks and uh, have you have you thought about doing like some connection with some print on demand service like what amazon offers so so children can actually sell paper books as well yeah, so um, thanks for the question, Dan. Um, with our platform, once you publish a book, it publishes up to our bookstore where it can be purchased and downloaded to your e-reader or your Kindle, or it can be ordered through on-demand publishing to, to have a physical book published and delivered to your home. So we have both options in the platform embedded in the platform now. Fantastic. And, and out, of, out of interest, have many children opted for actually print or most of most, I guess, obviously the majority I'd imagine don't, don't publish it, but the ones that do, have they actually wanted to get a paper copy or have they stuck with the, with the online version? Well, um, we're getting a mix there. It's, it's just a mix. You know, I, I think what's happening is a lot of time parents are saying, hey, I'm buying that book. And what I, what I think is going to happen is you're going to see family members buying books. And then ultimately, I think it'll get a bit broader than that. Yeah. And when they're publishing books, there's an income that gets generated, I assume. There How is, does that work? So the income goes back to the creators through their parents' PayPal accounts. Fantastic. Ah, interesting. 
And yeah. I know you you have this connection to Baobab. Is there some is there some community connection to that? Are you also trying to amplify an understanding about Baobab through the site, or is that just the name? Well, there's a there's an organization in South Africa called the Baobab Foundation, and we support them. They are trying to preserve Baobab trees because, like many things in the environment right in, in the world right now, the environment's changing, and Baobab trees are under threat. So they're working to try and help preserve and, and you know, baobab trees in Africa, and we donate a, a portion of, of our profits to them. Oh, fantastic. That's wonderful. Just, just a general thing, Pete. I was, uh, obviously, John mentioned about, you know, uh, and you mentioned about, you know, children not having the time. Do you think, I, I'm curious if you know, like, is, is book reading decreasing? And I mean, I know because I, I love reading, but I've, I kind of find it harder and harder with, with work and family and everything to get time to read. Like, are, are people reading less books and listening to more audio books? Or has it stayed the same? Or, or, or when you include the Kindle and, and e-readers, is it, does that add a difference? I'm curious what the general trends are with reading. Well, I, I do think that, you know, more and more books are going online. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I think, you know, personally, there's something about holding a book that's that's nice for me, and I like to get away from my digital devices at night and, and read a book and not have have a digital thing. But you know, I, I would say that's me, and maybe I'm just a dinosaur. Um, I think kids today are very comfortable reading things online. Although uh, I can tell you, it's transformational. I've seen it when a kid holds their own book in their hand. It does something. It, it, it really it does something that's meaningful. It, they they just have this sense of accomplishment that you can't describe until you see. Sure. Dan, it's interesting. That's a great question you ask because during the COVID pandemic, our librarians have seen an increase yeah. in checkout of hard copy books. Interesting. Yeah. And especially in the lower school. And that's a very small segment. I'm not saying this is the, the you know, this is a, a, a scientific study. It's just a very much an anecdote. But uh, we do this summer checkout, and last summer in June, we had grocery bags of books going out, That's thousands and thousands of books. And so I think kids still like the handling, the pictures. I think parents, too, sometimes want to get their kids off a device, yeah. and so they prefer to, for them to have a hard copy book because, of course, you can do it online through e-readers. But uh, yeah. I know that also... Uh, the graphic novels are really popular and kids like checking them out. So that's just a small, it's, it's, I think there's something that Peter says is that physical touch, you know, lifting the page or something that's timeless, I think. Yeah. What, what I, I, I really, first of all, it's great to hear that kids are checking out books. I'd love to hear that. Um, and I do think that there's something that's different about holding something physically in your hand. And that's what I like about, about the platform is it has the ability of, to translate something that's ephemeral or online into something physical in terms of a book. So you really have this sense of accomplishing something when you hold it in your hand. And of course, you know, you can brag and show all your friends when they come over and all the rest of that stuff. So there's, there's a lot of good stuff that happens when... It's, yeah, uh, it's interesting. I think like, if I think about myself, I've gone through three phases. Obviously, original, originally was paper books. Then I got an Amazon Kindle and I read all my books online or on the iPad. Yeah. And then I kind of didn't really like that. And I got into audio books. I had an Audible account. I've, I've probably had like 50 or 60 books on Audible. And then I kind of had enough of audio because I already listened to a lot of podcasts anyway. So I just didn't have the time. And now I'm back to paper books. I'm back to where I started after going kind of full circle and trying yeah. everything. I'm back to reading paper books again. 
Well, that's interesting, Dan. I think that's often, uh, uh, I can echo that journey too. I've gone through that and I'm back to the paper books. I think partly for me is just so I know that I'm off my device because I can read the paper on the phone. And the reality is as I'm reading the paper, I get distracted. Even if I have my notifications, I go and look at Facebook, my LinkedIn and my Instagram, and it becomes a very fragmented experience. So I think I've been trying to discipline myself, as you're saying, is to come back to the traditional paper book. Yeah. Peter, when you were uh, thinking about this idea and you, know, you, you shared the story about wanting your kids to be creative and co-creators, did you go and look at the market? Did you go out there and say, okay, who else is doing this? What's out there? Who's your competition? And what is it about your interface that might be different from others that you watched and, and looked at? Well, it's, it's a great question. And I, I guess, you know, in the school of entrepreneurialism, I get an F um, because I didn't. I just wanted to do something and I was passionate about it. And I, so I, I started going for it and I, I sort of designed the website on PowerPoint and then got a designer involved, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it was only, you know, as we started going that we started, we started looking at the competitors, but I, I, I kind of had my blinders on. I just wanted to create something, frankly, for my kids. And then I thought, okay, for other kids. And then, then it just started going from there. And then of course we wanted to make sure that what we did was different from other things that are out there. And there's, you know, we looked at some 20 platforms, um, now that we've, we've analyzed and there's some that are, that are closer to us. And we think we have some differences from them in the way we do what we do that, that will give us a, a place in the marketplace on um, reaction seems to be positive so far, but it's still early, but I'm, I'm pretty confident about where we're going. Yeah. Tell Peter, us a bit about your team. You, you oh, sorry. You yeah, mentioned okay. about your, the, ahead, the, the website here. designer. Um, who, yeah. who actually, do, do you have a con? I'd love to get a contact of whoever did your sites. I love your website. The graphics are fantastic. Thank all, you. Yeah, all the stuff. It's re really, really well done. One, I definitely like the website a lot. Well, I appreciate that, Dan. And we, I, I'm very fortunate to have a chief technology officer who's, who's really good. And our entire build team is in the Southern Philippines. Um, so we're, we're a social impact company, right? So if you're a school and you've got a service school that you have, a school in some under, underprivileged area that you work with and do good things with, we'll give that school our platform for free yep. because we really want to lower the barriers to education and get kids in the platform and creating things and feeling good about themselves and discovering the wonder of, of, of reading and, and writing and creating. Um, so um, we, but, but we also are social impact on the inside. And in the Southern Philippines, it's largely a Muslim part of the country. And the Philippines is a very Catholic country. So in the Southern Philippines, there's a lot of discrimination. Um, the people we have are working with us. We have 10 people on the team now. They're all, they're all gamers and, and just really, really good. And we, we absolutely benefit from that. They are so talented, and I appreciate your comments on the platform, Dan. It's, I, I just feel, um, you know, we, we've, got, we, we've got things that are going on that are even better than what I see right now, but I'm, I'm really pleased with it, too. And tell us a bit about, so you came up with this idea, and you have a team in the Philippines, and I know you have some other people yeah. uh, supporting you. How have you been financing this? I just think, you know, as people consider uh, entrepreneurship and startups. Of course, money becomes an issue and are, are you starting to generate an income? And what's even more interesting is that you are social impact companies. So if it's a low income, uh, socioeconomic or economic uh, you know, challenged area, you give the platform for free. So talk to us a bit about that aspect, the finances. Uh, okay, well, um, 
you might note that I have a beard. The reason is I can't afford razor blades anymore because I'm spending all my money on Bob books. <laughs> it's all self-funded so far. Um, something I'm passionate about, but I'm, I'm raising some money from, from institutional investors right now to help us go further. We've got about uh, uh, 20 people on the team, so it's not a, not a small initiative right now. Um, we're starting to have some you know, field success. Obviously, we're not making money, but we're, we're selling the platform. We're, we're generating revenue, but we're not, we're not unfortunately, we're not, you know, the revenue isn't bigger than the, than the expenses quite yet. <laughs> uh, but we're, we're, um, you know, we're, we're so motivated by what we're doing. You know, I, I just, um, I'm in touch with a, with a group here in Europe that is a, focused on cancer treatment for children. And we're talking about rolling the platform out in 63 hospitals in 18 countries in Europe um, as a way of engaging children who are under some really trying, difficult circumstances and giving them something that's positive and uplifting to do to take them away from their daily problems and focus on a, di on a different thing and, and maybe even uh, connect with people around the world and, and collaborate to publish a book. So we're you know, we're always looking for ways that we can reach out and engage people and do good things. And I, I you know, sometimes it's very emotional. I can only imagine. Yeah, Peter, I've got a question about um, obviously entrepreneurship. You know, we we, uh, we talk to a lot of teachers that are uh, doing entrepreneurial things or, or looking at different projects, whether it's kind of a side project or you know, obviously things like training, tutoring, course materials. And I've, I even started a, a Facebook group about it. Like, do you have any? You've obviously had quite a varied entrepreneurial career. Do you have any advice for? kind of educators that want to do something entrepreneurial, yeah. you know, maybe as a side project, maybe somebody want to transition into it. There's all kinds of things. Any advice about how to do that, fitting around a job and any, any kind of takeaways or anything you could suggest? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, first of all, you know, we need to hire a couple more educators. So if anybody out there is interested, call me. But um, anyway, uh, after that crass uh, public service announcement, I will say that the best innovators are people who know the market and guys like me that come in from left field. Sometimes we get, you know, lightning strikes, we get a bit lucky. Um, but the people who know best are the people who live it and breathe it every day and see the deficiencies and know where it can be better. Spot yep. a problem and come up with something that they can solve. That is the magic. Guys like me, we're a dime a dozen. We can write a business plan. We can put a financial model together. You know, so what? Anybody can do that, but if the people who really are valuable are the people who really understand the market and are closest to it. So I think if you're a teacher and you've got some ideas, the best thing to do is start framing out, first of all, understand the problem. You know, I would say, you know, first of all, start with the problem and say, okay, here's what the problem is. And this is why it's a problem. And here's, here are the issues. And then say, okay, well, my solution is to do X, Y, and Z. And if you can kind of frame out a problem and a solution, you can, you can then take that and engage other people to say, okay, well, if I've got these components, how can I act on it? And then you, you know, hit your network, you know, and I've got a consulting company. I'll, I'll give anybody free advice on, on stuff like that. Cause I, I love helping people start new companies and I do it all the time. You, you know, if you think, you know, something, if you see something and you can think you can do, you can do about it, you've got something you think you can do about it. Um, follow up on that because that's how, that's how good things happen. That's great advice. And I think sometimes, Peter, do you find that, you know, the education market, is it very, is there a lot going on? Did you, are you finding as you enter into schools, they're like, oh no, I've already been hit by five or six other type of, you know, creators and suppliers. Is it a tough market compared maybe to what you're used to? Yeah. I mean, I, thanks, John. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still learning about it. Um, you know, and, and there are, you know, there are, experiences that some of the schools have with other platforms, but I, you know, we are a bit different, you know, we're now in six languages. 
We support six languages. God, let's see, Catalan, uh, English, French, uh, German, Italians, and Spanish. Um, and we're, we're talking about adding Hindi, Mandarin, and perhaps Arabic soon, based on some of the discussions we're having right now. So we're always trying to expand the universe of engagement. And that's a bit different from what our competitors do. It is very, very engaging for kids. So it's a fun place. We've gamified the process of making a book. And I think that's a bit different. Free for kids and parents. So anybody can just get in and start writing it. And of course, if a school wants to use it, then there's an administrative fee or there's a, there's a fee because we've got a platform that they use to do everything. I think the digital and physical book publishing is a little bit different. Some do that, but not, not all of them for sure. The online marketplace and the ability to reach out and engage is a bit different. And um, also, I think the fact that that you can either use artwork that's available through our website, or you can have other artwork that you want to load up. But more importantly, you can have your own artwork that you, you, you can upload into the book. And so you can not only write your own book, but you can illustrate it as well. So I, I think there's flexibility that we have on our platform that's a little bit different than some of the competitors out there. Uh, and that, that seems to be resonating with some of the people we talk to. When you look at what kids are writing, are there is there a pattern in topics? Are they writing about certain things? Are you noticing there's themes or favorites? Ah, uh, gosh, it's so it's so varied. I can just tell you that some of the things I re I, I read are are really touching. Some of the notes I get are touching. Um, we've now have three different formats that we support. We support picture books, short stories and chapter books. So those are three different, you can choose to write one of those kinds of books and we'll have that available on the platform. Uh, additionally, um, we're adding a few other formats that we think are important um, that based on the feedback that we're getting. Um, but I, I, I really, you know, what happens is the school will decide to, to, to use the platform to support a particular um, lesson plan they have. You know, we had one school want to focus on deserts and what have you. And so they put a lot of desert imagery in there and you know, they wrote stories that, about things happening in the desert. Another school was focused on medieval and whatever. So, I mean, it just really depends. Uh, I can't say there's, you know, that there's a particular genre that's been favored because every school is different. And would you say many of these kids, this is the first time they get to do this? Is this kind of a, a or they're writing in more traditional sense on paper or on their Google Doc. Yeah. Now, this gives them more of a feeling of what it's like with the... Because you have story starters, you have character maps and things like that. Do you find that that is something that they're not exposed to? Yeah, well, that, that's right. We've got what we call the creativity board, which helps kids to try and figure out how to lay out the basics of the story before they get, they get started. Because if they're, they're stuck or they've not done it before, it's a great way, it's a great tool for them to use. Um, so, you know, I, what, what I find is um, most schools have some sort of writing project, you know, obviously, um, but where they get excited is they can take that and put it online and manage it online and actually publish the books. So it's, it takes what many teachers are already doing and it gives them tools to sort of enhance the outcomes and probably manage it in a way that's a little bit easier for them. So, um, yeah, it's just a lot of excitement. And I heard on LinkedIn that you got some uh, endorsement, which was quite significant. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, we just got certified by the Education Alliance Finland. Um, and, you know, I'm not an educator, John. You know, Dan, I, I'm, just a, I'm just a dad trying to do good things in the world. Um, but I, I appreciated the fact that we really needed to make sure that we had a robust learning methodology and pedagogy um, involved and in, embedded in the platform. So... Um, about the middle of last year, I, I reached out and got a teacher involved 
um, the former headmaster involved uh, to help us guide the development of the platform and make sure that we were developing something that was highly useful and interesting for educators. Because I felt like we were connecting with kids, but we, you know, I, I didn't know. So I, I just said, look, if I don't know, I just find somebody who knows more than me. So um, thanks to her, her name's Christine DeLuca. Thanks to her, she's, we've really done good things there. Um, and what we were able to do is then take that and get engaged with Education Alliance Finland. And they spent about six weeks evaluating our platform and they just came back and, and, and provided us the outcome and we, you know, they certified our platform. And something like half of the, of the EdTech platforms they look at don't get certified apparently. Uh, and we, we passed very well. We got, you know, marks of 90% or above. So it, we're, I'm really pleased with that. And I think it's an important endorsement of the work we do. Congratulations. And that's so important, especially to have that endorsement from a reputable education authority, because that gives you more collateral as you move forward in those conversations with schools. Peter, any parting words? It's just been fantastic hearing your story. And really, I just love the combination of social impact and getting kids to be creative and really understanding some of the challenges that we all face as parents and teachers with this, you know, ubiquitous digital devices that are just, you know, it's so hard. It's, it's an addiction yeah. that we are really, the complexity and the challenges are so nuanced, it makes it difficult. Any parting thoughts or any messages or any reflections now that you've been doing this for a while? Well, um, thanks, John. Um, we we want to have an impact by connecting people and supporting creativity. We're, we want to build a global community, and we're, we're in discussions in, I don't know, something like 23 different countries right now. Um, we build a separate website for every single school. So um, we want to work with schools and support them because ultimately we think that children aren't bored with prejudice. Children aren't born with hatred. Children aren't born with any negativity at all. And it's only as we grow up and get jaded or contaminated by bad things that we start to change our perspective. So we think that if we can build a global community where kids are meeting other kids online and doing good things together, it's gonna to make the world a better place ultimately. So we are absolutely enthusiastic about engaging with people all over the world to try and help increase awareness of each other and appreciate the diversity is actually the richness. It's not it's not a bad thing. So we'll work with any school anywhere and we'd be very pleased to hear with it, hear from anybody and work with them and build them a site so that they can have their own books, um, their own uh, website affiliated with their school where they, their kids can get engaged and do the same things. Great. Thank you, Peter. And of course, in the show notes, we have links and more information Peter's kindly shared. So definitely check out the show notes if you want to spend some time on Baobab books. Dan, I don't know any parting thoughts or final question. No, thanks very much, Peter. It's been, a, it's been a great chat and hope to talk again. Thanks very much. Really appreciate the opportunity, Dan and John, to get on. Um, you know, we're just a little company trying to, trying to get started here and, and the opportunity to talk with you and exchange some views has been re really meaningful for me and for us. And on behalf of Baobab Books, I, I just want to say thank you. A real pleasure. Thank you, Peter. And uh, look forward to being in touch and following the journey of Baobab Books as you continue in this uh, quest to make kids creative and uh, writers. Thanks so much, Peter. Thank you too.